0: Merry Christmas, everybody. Tomorrow is Christmas Day. This is Christmas Eve. It's a great time. And I look around and I am just amazed at everybody that is here. I'm so grateful that you are a part of this service and all of you who are worshiping with us online. For some of you who are online, you have snow on the ground where you live. And you are so fortunate. And for some of you, you live in a place that will never have snow on the ground. I've lived uh, all this life and only had one white Christmas, only one. It was sort of white with a little spots in it, but it was a white Christmas and the only place, and I've lived in places all my life where there was a lot of snow, but it never snowed on Christmas. Only one place and that place was Houston, Texas. (laughs) Yeah, I know, the place that has no snow ever. It was Houston, Texas about 15 years ago or whenever it was, and it started snowing on Christmas Eve during our service, and it kept snowing in the night, and there was snow on the ground on Christmas Day. It's my only white Christmas ever. All of us love this time, don't we, because the lights and the Christmas trees and all the decorations and everybody decorating stuff it is so much fun and the songs and the christmas movies you know they do come out with like 100 more new christmas movies every year i don't i don't know how they get that done so whether if you have watched a movie whether it is uh, scrooge or it has it was the it's a wonderful life or home alone or any of the newer movies they all have the same thing every single one of them, every single one of them are asking the question, trying to answer the question, what is Christmas about? What is so important about Christmas? And for every single one of them, you already know how it all is going to end up. The answer for every one of them is, is that Christmas is about family. Christmas is about our friends and being together. Christmas is about helping someone who is less fortunate than you are. Christmas is all about giving yourself away. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with those kinds of answers. They're all true. They're all a part of Christmas. I mean, look, my family is going to get together tomorrow, and we're going to exchange gifts and we're gonna, we're gonna have so much fun and so much food and all that kind of stuff is gonna happen and maybe your family is too and maybe most of our families, maybe not all but, but many of our families are gonna get together tomorrow because it's a special day. It's about family and it's about helping people who are less fortunate than we are and giving ourselves away. All those things are true but it doesn't actually go far enough I heard a statement just a few weeks ago, and I'd never heard it worded this way before. And so I hurried and wrote it down. And the statement is the first uh, uh, statement on the screen, and it is simply this: Christmas is more about gratitude for what God has brought into your life than it is about giving or receiving. And what was interesting is, is that wasn't even a Christian movie that made that statement, and I thought, wow, I've never heard it spoke said exactly that way before. And it's really true. I mean, I like giving. I love giving. I really try my best to give good gifts. And I, and that little boy in me never left, and I like getting too. I like giving. I like getting, and I like all that stuff. But there is also, just as the statement was, it is about a gratitude that happens in our heart for the things that God has already given to us, and the greatest of all of those is Jesus. He really is the reason for the season. At Sugar Creek, over the last uh, weeks of December, these four weeks, we have actually been taking a Christmas carol and I kind of like this. This was a cool idea of a few years ago, and we decided to do it again because all these Christmas carols really are words that come from the Bible. So if you take a look at the words, it really will teach you a little bit more about Christmas and about what actually happened when Jesus came. But what we decided to do was to go to the backstory about the people or the person who wrote it and what was going on in their life and that was the giant surprise for me. It was the big surprise in my life when we started doing it that way. Today is the last of those, uh, What Child Is This? Tony just sang the song and I love it. I love this carol. But this Christmas Carol came from a guy who had to be the last person on the earth you would ever expect to write a Christmas Carol. As it turns out, that Christmas Carol, what child is this, was written 175 years ago. From a guy that lived in England, and his name, William Chatterton Dix, D I X. William. His dad was a surgeon, and William was the manager of a little insurance company in London. I didn't even know they sold insurance 175 years ago. He was the manager of one of these little insurance places there, and he got sick. And so sick that it kept progressing. And there was no medicine. They didn't even know what the problem was. There was no solution for him, and he got more and more ill and sicker and sicker, and finally he had to leave his job, lost his job, lost all of his friends, got disconnected from everyone because he was now bedridden. So sick, no answers, confined to bed for months. And the longer he was in bed, the more depressed he became the sicker he became every day, and a sense of hopelessness. He had no answers. He became deeply depressed, deeply hopeless, and William knew he was gonna die. And then, the shock of all shocks, God broke through. It was crazy, the the whole story of what happened to him, God broke through, And he became healed, and he accepted Christ into his heart before his healing, and all that happened in this young man's life. And it is so much like God to do it this way. And when I was reading the story about William, I I thought about, about you and me and this year and all the ups and downs that we've had. All of us have had them. This is what life is about, and We sort of as life, we live this life of kind of understanding we don't let it go too high because it's going to come down. We don't let it go too far down because it's going to come back up. It's what life is. But I thought of the people that are listening to my voice right now who at some point in this year really didn't expect to be on the planet on December 24, but here you are. And for some people that are listening to my voice, honestly, if the truth were known, maybe nobody else knew, you didn't even want to be on the planet. On December 24, but here you are. And maybe you've gone through a lot of depression. Maybe it's still there and a lot of pain. And a lot of fear. And if that was the case, William would have been the first person to step and say, I understand what you're going through. He, as he laid on the bed, couldn't do anything except read. There were no cell phones, no internet, no televisions. For crying out loud, they didn't even have a light bulb. There was no electricity. They couldn't even flip a switch. And when it got dark, they lit a candle or a oil lamp, but they were pretty dangerous in 1850. And all you could do is just lay there and read. Somebody gave him a Bible. I don't know if he was religious. I couldn't find that before, but it wasn't very serious for him if it was. But he started reading the Bible, more out of boredom. What else do I do? But what happened to him is that he was stunned at how many answers were in the Bible. He could hardly believe it. I am so glad that I live in an age of science. I love science. I love the answers that science gives to what. All science is doing is sort of discovering what God made. It's discovering what, but science has no answers for why. It doesn't even pretend to have any answers for why. The Bible gives us answers for what, but it also gives us answers for why. Why life, why are you? Why pain, why am I going through these days? How do I get on the other side of these days? And William found answers he did not know existed. And he came to know Jesus as a savior. He began searching for every answer that you could imagine he could imagine, and I don't know, maybe it was close to Christmas, that he asked a question, and in fact asked the question by using two questions and giving the answers that he had discovered. What child is this? He asked two questions about it, and here's the first. What child is this, who laid to rest on Mary's lap, is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. He's really asking the question: Who is this Jesus, and what does it even matter? We've got Christmas trees and lights and decorations and all the songs and movies and all of that, but deep underneath all of that, there is a baby. And even people that don't know or even believe, if you ask them the question, I think most will say, yeah, there is something about a baby. They even may know the baby's name is Jesus. They may even know that the parents are Mary and Joseph. They might know it's Bethlehem, but probably they don't. But they know it is about some baby. What child is this? And William answers the question in the song this. This is Christ, the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. For 2,000 years before Jesus, which means 4,000 years before us, There was an explosion of prophecies that began to come out over the next 1500 years. And I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that focused on one person who would come, one Messiah who would come, who would be king, the Son of God, one Messiah. And it wasn't general kind of things. They were very specific in a little bitty town called Bethlehem. On the line of David, that's pretty specific. It eliminates a ton of people. Very specific things. He was coming to be the Messiah. The word Messiah is the Hebrew word. The word Christ is the same meaning in Greek. He was coming to be the promised one. He was coming to fulfill all these prophecies. He would be the promised king. He would eventually bring peace on earth, goodwill toward mankind. Forever, people have wanted peace. Just want to get out of the the hatred, the anger, the fighting, the killing. Can't I just live in peace? And it's coming. It's coming in this one. This child that was born. When Jesus came, he taught us things about his heavenly father. We didn't know and now we take for granted, but we heard them from Jesus first. He did miracles that were jaw droppers. He lived a sinless life, but all of these things was to come and die on a cross to pay the penalty For the sin that we had done. Christmas is more than a baby in a manger. It is a savior on a cross. So hurry and bring him praise, this babe, the son of Mary. The birth of Jesus brought hope. The second question that he asked, and it's simply this. If Jesus is the son of God, if he is the king that is coming, then why lies him in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? What does that mean? It just means, why, did he, why is he so poor? Why did he come the way he came? where are the other kings where are the important people why don't they know because God always has a plan and the plan have you noticed is so much different than ours and it takes so much longer but if you will give it a chance to unfold it actually is a much better plan than we could have ever come up with on our own the Bible lays it out for us In Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. He died because of our sin to be our payment for that sin. So William gives the answer, good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word, which is Jesus, the silent word is pleading. Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. And he says, hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. But it's not the end of the story. Because the story goes this way. Philippians 2 verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And one day every knee will bow one day every tongue will confess because Jesus is not just a baby in a manger. He's not even as glorious and wonderful as it is the Savior on the cross. He is the king that is coming back. And one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess, he is Lord. But you don't have to wait for them. On this very day, you can bend your knee in honor, and your tongue can confess, You are my Lord, and you are my King. And tomorrow, on Christmas Day, your tongue can confess, Jesus is Lord, He is the King of my life, and I bow my knee honor him today the plan hasn't worked out like you thought probably God has a different plan the finances the, the relationships the health whatever it is and God seems to take forever but when it unfolds you discover his plan was better I needed his plan Christmas is not just a day on a calendar but a way of life because of Jesus. Let's pray. We love you, Lord. We need you. We care for you. We acknowledge Jesus as Lord and he is the king of our heart. On this Christmas Eve, Tomorrow, on that Christmas day, and for the rest of our life, we pray in Jesus' name.